This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with non-toxic medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, diaper rashes, and other types of skin damage. I discovered Active Skin Repair and their baby spray from my community when our daughter was a newborn and had constant diaper rashes, and it really helped and continues to help. Containing hypochlorous acid, which is an effective option for helping with yeast diaper we just spray or dab active skin repair onto the skin with a clean cloth or cotton ball let's sit for 15 seconds and then apply our balm or ointment of choice with over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and to get 20% off your order using code PEDSDOC that's p-e-d-s-d-o-c Two is when it starts to come out, right? Two is when they have that control desire. Two is when they start to realize that they have choices, that they're not some baby anymore. They actually have opinions and their opinions can sway our choices and our decisions. And it's up to us, like I said, to create the boundaries we want and respect that they may not love every boundary (laughs) we create, but that doesn't mean that they don't love us. Hello and welcome back to the Peds Doc Talk podcast. This podcast continues to grow because of you. You continue to come back, you leave reviews and ratings. So thank you so much for tuning in and being here today. I am doing Monday mornings with Dr. Mona a little bit differently. In the past, I was having people call in and I was answering solo, but now I'm having parents come on the podcast and talking to them directly about their children or their concerns. On this episode, I am talking with Megan about her four-year-old Ace and his picky eating. I don't love the term picky eating because I think it gets a bad connotation. So let's reframe it and talk about it as selective eating. This is important to me because how we talk about our child and their behaviors and how we approach mealtimes and parenting really matters in our mindset. And you'll hear me talk to Megan about this with her son, Ace. Hey, Megan. Thank you so much for joining me today. So tell me, what is on your mind today as a mom? So I have for quite a number of years now, my son is four, um, you know, been working with him on eating it when he was a baby, he ate really well, he would try pretty much anything new. And then as he's gotten older, I've just noticed like a pickiness with him. He's very stubborn, very opinionated. And so just trying to get him to introduce new foods and get him to be more comfortable trying new foods and really all of that. It's been a struggle. Well, what you're talking about, I know you're not alone and I know you probably know that, but sometimes it's very important to continue to hear it because, you know, you'll be on social media or your friend and they'll say, oh, my kid eats this and that. And you're like, well, what am I doing? Every kid is so different. Like you said, with their preferences, their, you know, I like to call it selective eating and not picky eating. Um, You know, we all have our preferences and by personality, some children and some adults, as you know, are very into what they want, right? If he wants something, that's what he wants. And we'll get into more of that. Um, When do you feel the selectiveness began? I know you said like, you know, obviously in infancy, he was eating what infants eat, but when do you think that this started to kind of show itself for you? Um, Probably like around his second birthday. He had issues with certain foods and I started noticing like I have always been a very picky eater. When I was a child, I got better as an adult and like I had some texture issues with things. And so I started noticing that the things that he was refusing were very similar in texture. And then it just started to like narrow down from there. 
to the point where like now he won't try new things for the most part. And he, even if he sees something like trying to explain to him that it's not what he thinks it is, you know, if it's a food that he doesn't quote unquote like, it's become like even more narrowed as time goes on. And I'm sure that there's obviously many reasons for this response, but what gives you the most worry or hesitation right now? Like at this moment of this recording, like what's giving you the most frustration? Is it the meal time? Like the struggle, the power struggle? Is it that you're worried that he's not getting enough? Like what is it that's really like, as you as a mom, like eating you up, like, oh, I, you know, it's really hard for me to see this. It's hard for me because I know he'll tell me that he's done eating. And from a nutrition and like sleep standpoint, he is not a great sleeper to begin with. And so if I want to tell him like, hey, you know, when you're done with your food, tell me when you're done and like, I'll believe you. But I can't really do that with him because he doesn't necessarily always finish eating and then he's not hungry. Like he'll wake up in the middle of the night and that wrecks his whole sleep schedule. And so, you know, I want him to be eating well and, you know, eating properly so that he's sleeping well and like holistically, you know, doing well with nutrition and sleep and all the things that you need to be a functioning human being. Oh, absolutely. And do you see a correlation between when he doesn't eat dinner and then he's waking up more? Because I know you said that already he has not been like the best of sleepers, quote unquote. But do you see that? Yes, if he doesn't eat dinner, there's going to be more wakings? Or is that just kind of random? If he doesn't eat dinner, there's, he's going to wake up. And then okay. like, generally, he'll wake up and you can kind of get him back to sleep. But if he's hungry, then it's like a whole thing to try to get him to go back to sleep, because then he wants a snack in the middle of the night. And then he wants this, that and the other thing. And you know, at a certain point, generally, if he's eaten, I'll say, okay, well, you have to wait until breakfast. That's when we're going to have our next meal. But if I know he hasn't eaten now, all of a sudden I'm sitting there questioning, does he really need to eat? Like, I don't know. That's a great question. So it's kind of, obviously we understand that there's this respect of a child's hunger cues, right? Like obviously there could be a reality, absolutely, that he's hungry. He's four, he's telling you that he's hungry. And I do believe that. But there's also that balance of this sort of kind of behavioral understanding that we do not need to eat in the middle of the night, right? Like as adults and stuff, we don't need to eat in the middle Mm -hmm. of the night. Like our bodies are trained that we sleep. And then yes, the first thing in the morning, you are going to get that amazing breakfast and giving him some power and control over what the breakfast is, as I think something that can be really exciting. I'm not sure. I would like to know like what maybe you've done so far to encourage new foods. And then I'll have a follow-up question about what's happening at nighttime. But what have you done so far for in those meal moments, you said when he's more selective um, in encouraging variety or even trying to? So, I mean, I'm a terrible proponent of bribery. Like, I really am. And it doesn't have to be food bribery. Like, I'll try to negotiate with him for anything. And I think that's definitely, like, the lawyer in me. (laughs) Like, my first step is to negotiate everything. Um, So, you know, I will say, you know, okay, if you do this or if you take a bite, you can do this, that, or the other thing. You just try a bite. So it's a lot of negotiation. And then, you know, I've tried withholding things that he likes because of it, you know, just seeing if that worked too, but it really doesn't seem to bother him as much. And, you know, he definitely responds way better to the positive reinforcement. So I don't really do that as much, but, you know, definitely just offering him things that are new and different. And then just, you know, trying to encourage him as best I can to take a bite and showing him that we like it or, you know, things like that. And I will follow up on that response. But then the second question I had is when he wakes up in the middle of the night, what is happening in the middle of the night when he wakes up? Um, Is it more 
on the standpoint that you're going to say, hey, breakfast, you're not getting anything. You're just going to eat at breakfast. Or what is happening in those middle of the night wake ups when he did not eat dinner? Generally, I'll tell him like, I mean, if it's a normal night, I'll tell him we had dinner and now, you know, we're going to have breakfast in a couple of hours. You really need to go back to sleep, you know, and wait until breakfast. We don't eat in the middle of the night. And I try to stay really firm with that. Mm -hmm. He does have some very bad nights where, I mean, there's just crying and sobbing and like just uncontrollably screaming and crying. And those Mm -hmm. times, you know, I think that becomes kind of difficult to figure out what the best course of action is because he's not sleeping then either. You know, I can't like put him to bed and walk out of the room either. So when it gets into those situations, you know, there are the occasions where I'll be like, if he's that starving, maybe I'll try to give him a little something. But, you know, and I do say the caveat while I'm doing it of, you know, listen, I know that, you know, you're telling me you're really, really hungry. I understand that. I'm going to give you a little something, but this is not going to be the norm. You know, this is an exception that we're making right now because you're telling me you're really hungry and I can see you're really upset. But it's definitely more challenging on those nights where he's really having a tough time. And I know he's just screaming and crying and there's nothing I can say or do to placate him at that point. Yeah. And I mean, if those you said it perfectly, like if those nights are happening like the exception and not the rule, meaning like 20% of the time, right? You've heard this in parenting world, like the 80-20 rule. Like mm-hmm. if it's like 20% of the time that you're giving him a snack in the middle of the night or something, then okay. But the carefulness of that is that I know also from personal experience that it can easily become the rule and not oh, the yeah. exception if we're not very consistent. So, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is as a parent um, and you have a partner, correct? Yes. My okay. husband, yeah. So whoever's there, right? Whether it's partner, nanny, grandparent, whoever, there needs to be consistency in what we're deciding to do with the night times, and then also what we're deciding to do with the meal times. And I'll, you know, I'll get into that. But whether it's going to be, you did that amazingly, where you're saying, "Hey, I see that you're really upset right now. I see that you really want something to eat, and we are going to get that when breakfast comes." Right? Like being very consistent with that, or deciding, like, "Hey, I'm going to break this one night." I do like consistency, although you have a four-year-old where I do believe that some leeway is easier, meaning if it was like a two-year-old, consistency, I think, is extremely more important for the repetition. Four-year-old maybe can understand a little bit that, okay, this is a one-off, but I, I want to watch that. Like, I want to watch that if he continues to do it more often and more often, then we have to scale back and be like, hey, look, this is really important. I think you did a wonderful job. You said it earlier that he responds well to positive reinforcement, mm-hmm. right? Like, I'm just really proud of you for listening to your belly in the middle, uh, you know, before bedtime and filling it with what you want. But we are going to eat breakfast when it's time. I'm here for you. You're going to lay down. You're going to go to bed and then giving him some control for the morning. So do you allow him to choose what he eats for breakfast? Yes. Okay. So you allow him. I mean, that's within that's reason. Like, yes. Yes. Within reason. Like you give him a couple options or something. Yes. You know, children really need control and especially, you know, not even just children, adults like control too and reasonable control, right? Obviously you're the parent. So choosing between, you know, Hey, what do you want for breakfast? And reiterating that in that moment, you know, like, Hey, I know it. you get to decide what you want to eat tomorrow. I'm, you know, I'm being very consistent with that. You know, that's going to be something that's really, really helpful. Um, now I think we have to backtrack a little bit to the meals so that maybe we can get the meals going so that this is not happening 
at nighttime, right? Um, That's obviously very important to me, but I wanted to address both. As a pediatrician, mom, and podcaster, I want to share with you a podcast I recently discovered. It's called Understood Explains, and this season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Artube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. I listened to an episode called The Difference Between IEPs and 504 Plans, and I learned so much that I honestly didn't know before. I now feel I can better explain these to my patients and their families and better support them in their neurodiversity journey. Navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences can be confusing, and this podcast helps to validate these struggles and provide actionable tips that are useful for parents, teachers, and clinicians. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood explains in your podcast app that's understood explains warmer sunnier days are calling fuel up for them with factors no prep no mess meals chef crafted meals with options like calorie smart protein plus and keto factors fresh never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes with 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from each week you'll always have new flavors to explore crush your wellness goals this may with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust i absolutely love the spicy jalapeno lime cheddar chicken and mushroom chicken thighs with wild rice. Keep kitchen time to a minimum with factor meals because they're ready in two minutes. No shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleanup. I work from home and love the convenience and how delicious factor meals are. Head to factormeals.com slash peedsdoctalk50 and use code peedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code peedsdoctalk50 at factormeals.com slash peedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. So you are doing so many things that are great by, you know, obviously exposure is part of this, but the no pressure situation is something that I do want to get into a little bit more because pressure with children looks very different than sometimes we think. Like sometimes parents think it's only verbal pressure, but it's also the nonverbal cues that we give our child. It's the eyes, it's the stares, it's the come back here, it's the coaxing, it's the bribing, it's all of that. Mm-hmm. You even mentioned it, that you you did some of that. Not to say that we can't get him back to exploring, but it's really mm-hmm. in your mindset saying, and it's really hard to do this because of that cycle of eating that you're saying to me, right? Um, yeah. But it's really important to drive this home. like, And I'm telling you to do it very consistently for like 10 days. And I'm not saying that he's going to eat everything. Okay. I'm not saying that at all, but the nonverbal cues definitely need to be there too, where there's really no dragging him back and you're making it fun and playful and you're eating in front of him and you're saying, yeah, I'm having a bite, but you're not saying, put this in your mouth, try it in your mouth here, try this, try this. There's nothing like that. There's no, Hey, come back to the table. There's no like, Hey, if you eat this, I'm going to give you cookies because all of that is pressure in a way, right? Yeah. And I always describe it if like me and you were at dinner and you weren't eating something because you weren't hungry that day. And I just kept staring at you and saying like, hey, why aren't you eating? Why aren't you eating? Come back, eat this, eat this. It's not something that we would love. And the child is going to be more likely to push it back. Mm-hmm. I'm also very big on reverse psychology, okay? Especially with eating. And what that looks like with eating <laughs> is, okay, you know, you don't have to eat it. I'm just going to take a list. I'm just going to taste it right now. Oh, this is actually really interesting. Oh, it smells so good. And eating it, it works 
really good with like younger children, but I find that like making it so matter of fact and making it no pressure, but also adding in that reverse psychology is almost like for me, a form of humor. Like you're just like, okay, well, you know, I'm just going to take a bite. Oh, wow. This actually tastes really good. And you're almost making this a low stress situation for you that you are not phased by the Mm -hmm. lack of eating. Do you ever feel like you show, I mean, maybe not. Do you ever feel like you show frustration in any way when he doesn't eat? Oh, totally. Like I'm yeah. not great at masking it I for understand. sure. And I need that I need to work on. That's like a me problem, but yes. And listen, that is completely normal. I mean, I want to normalize that because myself and my husband, and my husband is way more of the frustrated one when during mealtimes when he doesn't eat. And I notice that my son eats less with him. Okay. And it's a psychological thing. There's a lot of psychology behind how we approach mealtimes. And so much of it is the pressure situation. So much of it is how we are going to approach that meal in that moment and that coming into that meal and leaving that meal, right? It's the, okay, here's the meal. It's not making much of a fuss of it during the meal, but it's also when the meal is done and he ate two bites, right? Or he ate 20 bites, however many bites. It's saying, hey, great job listening to your belly. Great job listening to your body. And are you full? Yes. And it's that repetition of, are you full? Yes. Are you not? No. Like you're really just getting into the head that I'm telling you that I want you to listen to your body and listen to your hunger cues. Do you also introduce, I'm sure you do, like a variety of like at the meal. I know he has some favorites. You're introducing his favorite plus something that's more new, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So I'll usually split it up. Yeah. Yeah. Is there ever a situation where he'll only eat like the safe food and not touch the other thing? Or have you ever had a situation where he does touch the new food because the safe food was there? No, he won't touch the new. Yeah. He'll generally finish that other, the safe food. And then he'll tell me that he's hungry for a snack, but he's not hungry for what else is on his plate. So in that moment, if that happens, it's also very important to say, hey, look, you have this here. Just say it was like pizza and vegetables, okay? Like Mm -hmm. a little pizza and like some green beans. Mm -hmm. Would you like more of what's on your plate? And it's, again, that repetition and that consistency, no pressure of, do you want more on your plate? No, mama, I want a cookie. Mm -hmm. Well, right now we're not going to get a cookie, but maybe we can have a cookie tomorrow with your lunch or something like, and we have to, don't ever give blank promises. You have Mm -hmm. to say to yourself, okay, when am I going to give him that cookie and follow through? Um, The consistent follow through is so important to me. Like, and it's some from a young age that if you're going to promise your child something or, Hey, you know, tomorrow morning you can decide and and it's okay to introduce a cookie. I'm okay. If you start Mm -hmm. introducing, just say he loves like a bar, like a breakfast bar, like putting the breakfast bar with the dinner next to the other food. I get it that he may only eat that breakfast bar. If it's introduced there, there's no more breakfast bar coming. If, that was what was presented, right? That one breakfast bar is there. Um, Just say he really wants a cookie. You don't want to ever like have him, like, you know, he doesn't eat the meal and then he complains. And then because of the complaining, we hand him the cookie, right? Because children are extremely smart and they learn that if they cry or whine or tug at our emotions and then we give them what they wanted, we have now affirmed that this is how we get what we want. Rather, I'm okay with you putting the cookie on the table with the meal and saying, here's what it is. And if they want more cookies, I mean, I I dealt with this two nights ago where I baked cookies with Ryan and he wanted a cookie, didn't touch anything else. I'm like, well, this is our cookie. Like, and this is all the cookies we're getting. If you're still are hungry, you're going to fill your belly with what's on your plate. And then we, the next meal is the next meal. My last thing is, do you guys do bedtime snacks? Um, so we don't generally do Mm -hmm. a bedtime snack. We used to, 
and it got excessive. Um, and it okay. was, you know, that was, I, I want to say like a year or so ago, we were, you know, like before bed, we had kind of had, I guess, like the, the leftover from the time of, you know, your bedtime bottle, we had the bedtime snack. Um, but then it was like, okay, well, you get like, you know, I gave him two, I don't know, fig newtons or something like that. Yeah. Um, before bed, you know, something that was like decent, not like the best food, I'm sure, but you know, something that was like decent and that I thought would keep him full. And then it was, I want more cookies, you know, that's all I want. This is, and so it, it became like a whole thing. And then he would wake us up. He wouldn't go to bed. He would ask for more snacks a thousand times. So we started weaning that out. Yeah. And that's, I was just going to say that is, um, I, I think a bedtime snack is a reasonable thing, unless we are starting to see that it's, you know, going the other way where they're just yeah. not eating anything. And then they're, you know, and the bedtime snack you choose is also very important because you want to make sure that it's, it is something that's not exciting. Like I usually try to recommend not having it be something that comes in a wrapper. So like either a banana, obviously I know the banana is kind of in a wrapper, but like, <laughs> you know, it's like a banana with peanut butter, but not something that's because wrapper items are packaged foods that they are there. They love already. Right. So they're going to hold off for the packaged food. And I, I understand yeah. that. I had banana about with that. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah so, he was so, definitely holding off for the best. Yes. So a fig Newton in nature, I love fig Newtons, but if you make a, does that make sense? Like, it's almost like, a, again, it's a psychology thing that this mm-hmm. is coming from a package that, oh, this is yummy. Yes. I'm even making, if just say you were to make your own fig Newton and you, it's from the refrigerator mm-hmm. um, or a banana with peanut butter or a piece of toast with like a little bit of avocado spread or a little bit of peanut butter spread, right? Like a little peanut butter toast or something, just one, you don't want to like fill them up where they then realize that they're not going to, you know, they'll get that if they don't eat their dinner. But I'm okay with you thinking about instituting it again, because he is older. And again, and the reason I'm recommending it is because you have a child who has the nighttime wakings, and you're telling me that it's truly because of that, right? Because he's, he's saying, mommy, I'm hungry. I get that. Like, it's hard for us to completely say, okay, well, you ate one bite, and now you're not eating anything. But there really needs to be of that, you know, consistency of saying, okay, well, am I going to do this bedtime snack? And if I do this bedtime snack, I have to make sure it's something extremely boring, but still filling. Um, And there needs to be consistency in that, right? Like if he starts to complain, you can be like, hey, like you're telling me that you're hungry. This is what we're going to have for the snack. If you want it, take it. And if not, you know, we'll have breakfast in the morning. And then um, continue always, always to highlight the right things, right? Like, so when he does eat something or he goes to bed the whole night and doesn't wake up, even if he had a good dinner, whatever. Okay. I want you to, when he wakes up to say, Hey, I noticed that you slept the whole night and that's really awesome. You must feel so rested. And it's a very matter of fact statement. And you said children thrive on positive reinforcement. Mm -hmm. So even if he comes to the dinner table and has three bites, right? Highlighting that, Hey, Ace, I'm really proud of you for sitting down at the table and sitting with us today. Like that was awesome. Like you didn't do that the other day. And I can see that you learn from that. And that's really cool. You should be so proud of yourself, you know, that you sat with us at the dinner table and you looked at your cauliflower or you even tasted your cauliflower, like having him be involved in more of the prep of the food, you know, in the kitchen, like touching the food, all of that. And I think you probably heard that too, Mm -hmm. can really help with these four-year-olds so they don't look at these things as fearful. You know, they do create some preferences. And a lot of it can be because of the fear of the food or it's something new and allowing him to just be in the kitchen when you're making it or having control over making it, having control when you all go grocery shopping. I know it's in a pandemic that we're recording this, but like taking him and saying, Hey, look, like, what do you want to try? The control aspect, like allowing 
the choice and control can really help in like, again, the baby steps we need to get more progress. In picky eating, selective eating, sleep, all of this stuff with parenting, none of this stuff is going to be, you do this and then tomorrow he's going to be an amazing eater. It is, like I said, so much of it is is the consistency, but our mindset in approaching it in a way that you are not depriving him of anything here. You know, when he wakes up in the middle of the night and you are in those moments that you tell him, you know what, sweetie, I hear you. I see that you might be hungry, but I know that you can wait till morning. You made it halfway through an episode, so you must be loving the show. If you love the show, make sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel where I share answers to all of the common topics submitted to me regarding child health, development, and debunking all that misinformation you hear online. My goal is for PDT to be a one-stop shop for your searching needs. Bye-bye late-night Googling. So make sure to go to YouTube and search Peds Doc Talk TV. Hit that subscribe button and binge watch all the amazing episodes and episodes to come. Have suggestions for future videos? Make sure to chat in the community section on my YouTube channel. Becoming a new mom does not come with a manual, but I'm trying to get as close to it as possible. Are you expecting a baby or know somebody who is? Make sure to grab my first year course, The New Mom Survival Guide. The on-demand course contains modules covering parenting in the first year, newborn feeding like breast and formula feeding, newborn sleep and infant sleep, introduction of solids, safety, baby care how-tos, developmental milestones, teething, and so much more. With videos and printables, you will feel supported through the first year. The course also has a roadmap that takes you through what to expect visit by visit so you can feel more confident and calm in the choices that you make and the stages that you'll go through during your baby's first year. By purchasing, you also get access to our Facebook community to troubleshoot issues or concerns. It also makes a great gift that can support a new mom through her motherhood journey. Check out the New Mom Survival Guide by visiting pedsdoctalk.com and searching our popular courses. I, as a pediatrician, know that he can wait till morning. You are not depriving him of anything, you know, when you're teaching him about waiting for the hunger. It's different if it's in the daytime, right? If it's in the daytime and he's saying he's hungry and he hasn't had a meal for six hours, that is deprivation, correct? Like you have to feed your child meals and snacks and offer, but it's the offering that's the thing. Overnight, no four-year-old needs to eat in the middle of the night. And I encourage you to keep at that. And when you are feeling bad and saying, oh my gosh, like how could I even not feed him or do that? Really remembering that even through the being upset, even through that, like he is going to make it till morning. Like he will make it till morning and he's going to be fine. And you're not depriving him of nurturing or love or nutrition. Because when you look at it from like just a understanding, we don't eat in the middle of the night. That's just not what we do for a four-year-old or an older child. And you are allowing that calm understanding of, I am going to give you what you want for breakfast. Like you get to decide. And that is the meal he gets to decide every day. If that's what your family decides to do, mm-hmm. all the other meals are you deciding or giving him two options. But that allows him some control, but it's something to kind of consider, you know, um, all of these things are things that I think will be important to consider based on what you're seeing, you know, and kind of coming into like a, a pattern that works for his temperament, the nighttime, you know, it's a messy picture because of the nighttime too. You know, this is not so straightforward to say, okay, just don't feed him. And it's fine. You might have to implore a boring bedtime snack, nothing in a wrapper. And you may have to consider what I'm mentioning that even with the bedtime snack, if he says no. Hey, I hear that you want that Fig Newton, but maybe we can have the Fig Newton for your morning snack tomorrow. How does that sound? No, mommy. No, no, no. 
I hear you, but we can't have it right now for bedtime snack. Your option is this banana and a peanut butter. And then when he wakes up, it's saying, I hear you. And that is hard for us. I will never, ever sit here and tell you that it's easy in those moments to say, okay, we'll forget it. It's not. I know as a mom myself, I've been there and sat with, you know, with Ryan when I'm like, Ryan, I get it. Like, you can't have this right now. But it's that consistency that I think he's going to finally understand when you and your partner come up with a plan that says, okay, are we going to offer this bedtime snack? Are we going to go in and give him something in the middle of the night? Or are we going to continue to verbalize and get him to the morning and be consistent with that for 10 days to two weeks? You know, it takes about two weeks for me to see change with anything that, and again, some sort of change, not like overnight, but like something that you'll say, oh my gosh, like he actually fell asleep or he actually made it to breakfast and he understands. But if we continue to say, okay, fine, here's a snack or, okay, let me give you the Fig Newton or, okay, here, let's have this. Then the repetition and consistency won't be there for him to get the boundary, right? To understand that you empathize with him. Like you are not going anywhere. You understand what his needs are. You understand that breakfast is going to come, but it's being very understanding of the boundary as well, which is going to come through to him as well um, with that repetition. Yeah, no, that makes sense. This is hard stuff because as a mom, like we have so much, oh, so much on our plate. And I know you, you're work, you work, right? Like you're a yeah. lawyer. Yeah. And I know that the number one place that we feel stressed is meals. Okay. I mean, I know this not even just from who I talk to in my office and the podcast and my DMs from my social media, but my, as me myself, like it has taken me a lot myself to get to this point where I have to also accept that I can make this amazing meal and he will only eat one bite and he will fight me. And I have to let go of the fight. My husband jokes that, and it's, I actually think it makes a lot of sense. Parenting is all a game of chicken. Like who's going (laughs) to pay first. Okay. And I should quote that. And I think if you understand, I mean, obviously you've listened to this whole episode for everyone listening. The philosophy of that is who is going to be the one to cave first in this power struggle. And it doesn't have to be this power struggle. It doesn't have to be this argument or this yell, you know, like stop, do it. It's okay. Like here, this is what's going to happen. This is what we're going to do. And this is what it is. And I get it if you don't like the boundary, but just because he doesn't like the boundary doesn't mean he doesn't love you right? Like, obviously he knows that you're there for him. Obviously he knows that you're going to give him breakfast. Obviously he knows that you guys nourish him. And I think it's very important to hear that when you have a picky eater or selective eater, because we feel we're not providing for them when hundred percent you're providing for them. You know, you are, you're, you're giving him the opportunities. You're giving him all those moments that he has to be exposed to food, the no pressure, the, in the kitchen, maybe prepping meals, all of that stuff and the options and control. And it's, letting go of that control on our end that I start to see the best results that, and I know that is really hard to come to an understanding of saying, I got to let it go and just understand that I'm doing everything I can for him because you are. And I hope you, I hope you remember that anytime you're feeling frustrated and that you just want to just cave in, just say, yes, I'm doing the best for my child. I'm providing him the food and he's going to decide what he does with it. We have our bedtime snack. If that's something we want to do, we have the nighttime, we'll deal with that. I hope we can lean in towards not providing him anything in the middle of the night. I'd rather mm-hmm. do a bedtime snack than allow snacks in the middle of the night because that's the last of the things that I want. The bedtime yeah. snack is fine, okay? Um, but we're trying to not have that because that will affect your guys' sleep and that's a whole cycle of everything, yeah. right? Um, and that's why I would love to remedy, like to kind of nix first if we're going to nix anything, you know? No, I agree. Yeah. You know, I make a joke that when he was younger, he would start getting cranky around a certain time and then I would get cranky too. And like, we would yeah. snipe at each other. 
which sounds yep. so stupid because I'm like way too old to be sniping at like a two and three year old. But like we were just so annoyed and so hangry because we were waiting for my husband to get home to have dinner with him. And I realized like both of us are hangry. We're the same person. And like we can't wait for him to come home to eat dinner. Like it's just not a feasible thing. But, you know, I can see his mood is totally different if he sleeps, you know, and he eats properly and all of that. Like if he gets enough in his system. Whereas when he like resists because he's trying to be a little finicky and holding out for something better, you know, his personality is much different too. So, right. you know, I think it just, it's like a vicious cycle, you know, almost. it is. Yeah. Look, eating, sleep and behavior, like tantrums, eating and sleeping are all connected, right? Yeah. A child who's not eating, they're going to have more tantrums. It's going to lead to more refusal with eating. If they're not eating, it's going to lead to more tantrums and sleep issues. The behavior, it's all connected. And yeah. we know he can eat, right? Like, I mean, there's a huge difference for me. Like if I have a child who texture wise, like he can't physically eat, then we need mm-hmm. to see a feeding therapist for like the process of textures and stuff. So we know we're dealing with a strong-willed four-year-old, which is very hard. Um, I know my son's on that path. He's very strong-willed. Okay. He's two and a half, but like, man, he's like very opinionated. He wants what he wants. And I'm like, you know, it's all these strategies I'm trying to do now, which is when you said earlier, two is when it starts to come out, right? Two is when they have that control desire. Two is when they'd start to realize that they have choices, that they're not some baby anymore. They actually have opinions and their opinions can sway our choices and our decisions. And it's up to us, like I said, to create the boundaries we want and respect that they may not love every boundary we create, but that doesn't mean that they don't love us, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He's just, he's very strong-willed and I love that he has an opinion about everything, but there are times where, you know, it's just very hard for him to have an opinion about everything and especially with food. Yeah. And remember to utilize the times where he is calm and he's smart. I know your child is very smart because a lot of smart kids are going to do this, right? They get it. They understand the power and the control. And that's fine. I love, it's hard when we have a strong-willed child, but we have to also respect that that's a fire. Like that's a yeah. fire in them that is going to serve them well in some way. I, mean, I know it's, it's a hard, double-edged sword as a parent. I know it's hard. I, I know it's very hard. But when he is in those moments of where you guys are just sitting and playing or, you know, again, like I said, the calling out of the things that he's doing good. Kids so much in their day here. okay, you're not eating, eat this, do this. Right. So I want to try to limit that. But also when you're limiting that, raise all the volume on all the things that he is doing really great. You know, I really saw that even if it's not related to meals, like I said earlier, right, like even if it's just so that he recognizes that he is this powerful, like amazing kid, if you will, that is doing a lot of good things and that. Just because you're telling him or, you know, he didn't eat his meal that you still obviously love him and that it's not defining him and that he is this amazing kid that has choices and options in whatever else is related, right? Like just say he made a choice of like choosing a certain shoe color, right? Like I want to wear my red shoes with this outfit. You can say, wow, that looks really great. You, You should be really proud of yourself that you dressed yourself today. Like I'm really proud of you. Like applauding the things that he does have control over that is good. Does that make sense? Like the things that you're like, wow, like you dressed yourself or you, you know, you were really nice to a friend. Like then it really puts in their brain that, yeah, I have control over my emotions. I have control over the things that I do in my life. And I may not have control in every aspect of my life. And my mom and dad, they're the ones who decide what I do in this, you know, in terms of boundaries, but they recognize that I am this awesome person, you know, and I think all of it is a big picture that I think can really help. Yeah, no, I think that's great. And getting him, you know, confident in other decisions, I think, idea. Yeah. 
Well, look, this was amazing. I love talking about this. I can't believe we talked for what, like 25 minutes or whatever it was. Like, <laughs> this is amazing. What would be some of like the, I guess, um, things that maybe you can continue working on or add to the plate here? Um, so I think I'm going to continue doing the, you know, introducing new foods. I know I've, you know, lately it's yes. kind of been like, eh, sometimes I'll just cave and just give him like chicken nuggets for dinner. But I think I'm going to, you know, yeah. make sure that I'm really adding those two other foods as well for him to try. And then obviously thinking about, you know, a nighttime snack that is not super fun so that he's not, mm-hmm. you know, holding out for it like he was before, but maybe, you know, just in case he does have one of those days where he decides that his staple food is not a food he eats anymore, because I feel like that's a new four-year-old thing that I'm enjoying. And (laughs) and you're like, what are you talking about? You've literally asked for that. Okay, cool. And then, (laughs) um, you know, I think also, you know, just being, you know, really positive about the things that he's doing and not controlling every aspect of it. I definitely Mm -hmm. am a control freak. And I know that and I own it and I have to just let go sometimes. And that has been the hardest part of parenting for me. Um, like you're playing with it wrong was the phrase I used to use when he was a baby. And yeah, I hear you. it's so hard. Yeah. And so I think just like letting go of that and letting him be and like praising him when he does, you know, even like something you know, like you said, as simple as just like the days that he sits at the dinner table. Like, I don't think I make enough of a big deal out of that. And then I do make a big deal out of like him trying to run away or climb on the chair yes. or this, that, or the other thing. So maybe yes. like shifting that focus and like letting go a little. I love so. it. Megan. I mean, I know that you're going to see change, especially with how you approach it. Accepting that and understanding that was a hard part for me too. Like I also, like I laughed when you said about that, you're doing it wrong. Like when Ryan was an infant, I used to get so frustrated when he wasn't reaching certain milestones in the infancy age. And I had to step back and say, what am I doing here? And a lot of that came from his own medical issues of like having a stroke and seizures that I, I felt this pressure that he needed to roll and walk. And, and I was like, wow, I'm putting a lot of pressure on this infant who's just a <laughs> yes. freaking infant. I mean, he's doing what he naturally is capable of doing. And I, I want to say this because I'm, and again, it's not diminishing the fact that I understand how difficult this is. Like I know how hard it is to have a child who doesn't eat, but I want to also remind you that he does know how to eat. Like he knows and he's going to get that back. And also remember that you don't need to have a child who eats everything. Yes, you want to do variety. Don't get me wrong. But I'm okay if he's not eating like shrimp and salmon and all these fancy things. That should not be your goal. Your goal is variety, exposure. Your goal is no pressure. Your goal is everything that you just mentioned. And really lowering your expectation a little bit and being pleasantly surprised is going to go a really long way. And I think you're going to see... I think you're going to see a lot of benefit from that for sure. Yeah. No, I think this is all like things that I, that aren't crazy difficult to do. It's just like mindset shifting a lot of it and, you know, a little bit of a change of how we present things, which I think will be helpful. Awesome. Thank you, Megan, for coming on today. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. So Megan and I talked about some very important principles. And with these Monday mornings with Dr. Mona episodes, I want to tie it in with three parenting principles. And as you can remember, these parenting principles can apply to many different situations. But let's talk about my three principles for this episode about picky eating with a four-year-old and the concerns that Megan had with her sonnies. Number one, we have to control our expectations and reflect on our biases. It's really important to remember why we are frustrated and what our insecurities are. Perhaps we were also very selective in our eating or we are a very selective or picky eater. 
We may be concerned, are they gaining enough weight? We may be concerned about what other people are saying. It's very important to understand why are we concerned when they're not eating? And if you recall, I ask Megan, what are your concerns at this moment with why your child ACE is not eating? Getting into the whys can really help us make breakthroughs with our mindset, especially when it comes to mealtime. There is a psychology behind parenting and there is a psychology around the mealtime where the more we push, the more they're going to resist. And when it comes to expectations, you know, we focus so much on them eating everything. But I want you to focus more on the sitting at the table as the win. The exposure to new foods as the win, not necessarily them eating it, but just them being exposed to it and seeing it and touching it and maybe just having it next to a safe food. But don't stop exposing. Number two, no pressure. You know, I talk about this reverse psychology that sometimes you have to feign that you don't care, even though I know you care. Okay, you don't have to eat it if you don't want to. No pressure. This is really hard. And you have to remember the nonverbal cues, too, when it comes to pressure. Things like, you know, the eye contact, the frustration that you may have, and obviously the verbal things like, hey, come back to the table, eat this. Why are you not eating this? Looking at them, the verbal and nonverbal. Remember how we can create pressure at mealtimes. Put the meal there. Make it a consistent routine. Make it matter of fact. And try not to get into that fight mode, that pressure mode, and that battle mode, because that's when you're going to see more resistance. And number three, and I know we have a lot of principles that I could have summed up, but this is the number three take home. Allow some control and highlight the right. With Ace, I recommended that, you know, he continues to be allowed to choose breakfast so that he feels some control after that night that maybe he may not be eating. And also control outside of meals where it's appropriate. So choosing what they wear and saying, hey, great job of picking out your clothes, what they watch, when they are able to show control so that we respect them and say, hey, look, I understand that you want to do X, Y, and Z and applauding them when they are showing those things, but that they also understand that there's boundaries. There's also expectations. It's this balance that can really help. It's okay to say to them, you know, you're listening to yourself and that is wonderful so that all they hear all day is not no, 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 no. And that you're highlighting the right, which can make you see changes in whatever behavior, including with selective eating. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I am so grateful for this community and this podcast. Please remember to leave a review and a rating because that is how more people discover this podcast and it continues to grow. If you'd like to come on and ask a question, visit pedsdoctalk.com and click the podcast tab to get a form where you can fill out and we can consider having you on a future episode. Thank you. And I'll talk to you next week. Are you tired of searching Google and ending up in a rabbit hole at 2 a.m. thinking that you're ruining your kid? Stop and visit pedsdoctalk.com. My website is your new Google with a search feature to search all content that I have that is free or available by purchase. And let me tell you, there are a lot of free goodies there, like free printable PDFs for how to handle a choking incident to milestones to monitor in your kid. My website provides information regarding the health and development of your child, including parenting and sleep. My goal is that you stop those middle-of-the-night searches that lead you nowhere but into the land of anxiety. My goal is to guide you to be the confident and calm parent I know that you are. Make sure to visit pedsdoctalk.com and use the magnifying glass to search. Want even more? Make sure to sign up for our newsletter by visiting pedsdoctalk.com newsletter where you can get the latest and greatest in child health news and parenting tips delivered directly to your inbox. That's pedsdoctalk.com newsletter.